All right, uh, welcome everybody to the Apex Vaulting Podcast. We have a very special guest today. This is episode 61. Uh, we have the NCAA national champ, Chris Nielsen, on. Uh, Chris, thanks for joining the podcast. Um, what an amazing day. I mean, like, you must still be on, like, cloud nine. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm, I'm still kind of, like, uh, in shock, I guess, and a little bit of surprise. And, uh, yeah, cloud nine is a very good word for it. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I feel like sometimes, it, you know, when, when you bust out like that, you, you almost like it takes you a while to be like, wait, that really happened, you know? Yeah, that's exactly, that was my reaction. I jumped 590 and uh, I was screaming and I was so elated and I was super happy about it. And then I jumped 595 and my face was uh, straight shocked to my coach, Derek. I was like, what? No, there's no way. And then, um, <laughs> right, and right. Even, even better, I got to take some shots at 601. So I was like, this is not real. This is not happening. I'm expecting to wake up in like five minutes or something. Right, right. And, and Chris, you know, we were just talking about it a little bit before we started the podcast, but like, I, I think competing is such a big deal that that's how these great, uh, you know, marks happen. You know what I mean? Even thinking about the last Olympics, you know, it's like Tiago, you know, PR'd like crazy and won the Olympics, but I feel like that competition is, is what drives you. I mean, do, do you feel like that plays a part in some of your best moments throughout your career that you, you were in that compete mode? Absolutely. All my best marks have come from someone, but pretty much of, of not my fear, but like my sense that, you know, someone's going to beat me because I'm not going to jump high enough. And I did not want that to happen. So whenever I jump like a good mark, like at Drake Relays, I, I jumped 585 because I knew Sam was going to beat me if I didn't jump any higher. So I had to jump high. And then the right. same thing here. There was like, I was like, there's no way I'd get away with a win at 19. So I right. had to jump higher. Right, right. Yeah, I, and, and I think that's sometimes, uh, you know, a conversation that we don't have enough in the pole vault is like, you know, we, we start to like almost like just chase marks and we talk about PRs and we don't often enough talk about like, hey, you still got to show up that day and you have to compete, you know? Absolutely. That's the, like, I, like I was saying to you just before, um, mm-hmm. that's why I'm worrying more about not going to, like, not how well I do at Worlds, but, like, just making the team. Right. Right, yeah. Which, which that that's crazy, right? Like, a lot of people don't realize, like, you know, in America, unlike some other countries, like, you know, no matter how high you jump, you still have to go to USA's and you have to make the team. You still have to qualify, you know? Oh, oh yeah. No, it's the same thing. Back in 2016 trials, I watched Brad, I watched Brad Walker no hype. That's not what I was expecting to happen at all. And right. see Kale Simmons and Logan Cunningham make it. And it's not that they, it's not that I was, you know, uh, an upset, but it was genuinely like, oh yeah, that's not really what I expected. Right. Right, right, yeah. No, and, and that's the thing, and, and we were talking about it, you know, prior to the podcast, too. It's it's like if you think about other sports, you know, it's like sometimes you have a great regular season, but then you don't make it through the playoffs, you know? And yeah. I, I I really personally, I love seeing, like, championship rounds and, and qualification rounds and stuff like that because I, I just love seeing athletes push each other, and, and you really see some people take it to the next level. You know, you obviously also, there's times where you see someone maybe, like, kind of choke you know because that that happens that's the reality of, of sport and life you know is you know sometimes it's tough you know um i feel like definitely chasing is a lot easier than being chased you know and and who knows i mean why don't you walk us through a little bit of, like the competition yesterday like what were some of the emotions or feelings that were happening as as the meet was unwinding like i mean uh, man it was so crazy i mean the top seven all jumped 18.8 you know that 570 bar um what was it like uh, once that happened like once you're in the mix of that like what, what were what were the thoughts going through that that scenario 
That's freaking crazy, huh? Yeah, seven, <laughs> seven college guys, four of them are freshmen over eight, uh, 70. That's, yeah. that's ridiculous. Yeah. Um, and I, I'd also like to agree with the point you just made about it's better to be chasing rather than being chased because I can tell you that from the past four times I've been the NCAA championships, I've been ranked number one. I've had the highest mark. Right. And I would go away with the target painted on my back, and that's how I felt. Yeah. So, like, I coming in second even if it's still you know higher up on that uh, on that seat list i was still feeling way better about not being number one and having to almost like represent my position so i felt like right. it was just another like a good lead that i could just jump at but um when the when the when the seven guys made 70 including myself uh, i was like okay yeah that's not surprising at all one all these guys are super talented they They've been doing this all season, and right. like I'm not surprised about this at all. Two where Texas relays, everybody's going to go off. Right, right. Um, so you couple really good talent with a really good venue and a lot of motivation for nationals and people peaking at the right time. Yeah. Seven people over 70s at this point in time is not really a surprising thing. So I was like, okay, that's fine. Everybody's yeah. kind of stepping up their game. I have to do so too. Right. Then, I mean, um, the, the talent level is just unbelievable now. When you when you think about the number of it's because. Almost like uh, when I started coaching, you know, uh, 2004, you know, around there, I mean, you were like, there are people that were winning NCAAs with 550, you know, and it's just amazing to see the generation we're in now where it's, it is like a dogfight every time. Yeah. I think it was back in 2016 indoors where they, I think the guy from Washington did win with 550. Mm -hmm. And I remember looking at that. When I was in high school, I was a senior. I just, I think, I, I think I just jumped from 550 or 560 in high school. And yeah, I was yeah. Like, what? Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. Yeah. And, and actually, one of the things I said when I was talking to Monto the other uh, yesterday when we were competing, when the seven guys were over 70, I was like, man, I remember when 70 used to be good. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, you got these freshmen doing it like it's nothing. So. Right. Right. Know. It's 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 wild. Well, I mean, I, I think it speaks of the talent that's out there now, and it also speaks of like you know if everybody's doing it, you, you rise. You, you know, it's like I, I even feel like you know when you think about uh, to kind of switch gears for a second, but like you think about women's vault. You know, it used to be if you're a woman jumping, you know, four sixty, fifteen. You know, it's like that was such a big deal. But now it's like that you got to do that just to be a part of the game. You know, oh, for and, sure. And so it's like when you see these marks rise, you know what I mean? It's just like, you know, people now know they can do it. You know, it is a possibility, you know, which I I think almost even sometimes I almost feel like um, as an American, you know, it's like the metric almost messes us up. Like we, we hear someone's like, oh, someone just jumped six meters and we're like, wow. And it's like, okay, but that's like if like you just jumped 595, that's two inches away. That's not crazy. You know what I'm saying? Like, it, it's it's sometimes when, when you think about being in a competitive arena and, and, like, a national championship like you were in yesterday, it's like you take it to the next level. Another two inches is not wild, you know? I mean, what, yeah. what do you think about that? I, I think you're absolutely right. Well, two inches isn't wild. I can I can definitely attest to the difference of 585 and 590 because I've jumped yeah. 585 twice and jumping 590 once. I can, from the one time I've done it, I can already tell you it's, it's 10 times harder to sure. do those extra two inches. And then add those other two inches on the 595. <laughs> that's, I had to do, that jump was maybe the best jump I've ever had in my entire career. Not just because it was such a high bar, but some of the technical things I did in that yeah. jump. 
and noticed it. Right, 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 right. Yeah, I, I thought it was funny too when you posted it. You were like, "I know, I have that crazy leg," you know. Which I, I feel like that's something else people need to realize too. It, not just in polo, but a lot of things. It's like when you're kind of going for like all out, sometimes there's a little something that is off. I mean, you're you're kind of you're grinding it out. You're squeezing out every inch that you have, you know. Yeah, every single little bit came out. Thank God it came out at the right spot. You know what I mean? So, yeah, yeah. Well, that, that's the tough thing about vault, too, is, like, sometimes, like, hey, if you hit it too good, you just blow through. And, and you know, it's like it wasn't bad, but it was bad because you didn't hit it exactly right at the exact right moment, you know? Right. Um, so what, what was it like going through? Because, like, Mondo ended up passing when, once he fell behind. Um how did like maybe if if you could explain so people can understand what does that feel like when you're in the middle of that kind of competition and now you know you, you start playing that passing game or someone else is playing that passing game how, how do you handle that as a competitor uh well from the past times i've competed in nc's it's uh i've kind of played this kind of safe game like as soon as it starts going by five centimeters i started going by five centimeters and i realized that the more i do that the more tired i'm going to be right um at the higher bars, so Derek and I were just like, let's just do this like it's a normal meet. Um, right. Let's, let's just like compete like we normally do. So we passed 75, and then we passed right. 85 because we were like, if we're, if we're going to jump 85, might as well just jump at 90. Right. So um, when he started passing, I knew that he was kind of feeling a little bit of pressure just because I made 90 on a first and 95 on a first, and I didn't know if he was going to pass to six meters, and I was like, he's definitely capable of doing that. Right. Um, but... I don't know. When he started passing, I was more like, okay, there's no way he's not going to make this because he's done it a million times before. So I need to be ready for this bar to go to six meters. Right. It's definitely a possibility. Right. Well, I mean, I, I think that's that's the right mindset. You know what I mean? Like, you, you have to assume that it's like, all right, I got to get this bar. You know, not, not kind of like, oh, man, like, hopefully he misses. You know, it's like you got to attack, you know? I was actually hoping for him to make it so that we could both uh, take attempts at six meters because I figured that if we were both <laughs> taking shots, I would have a better shot at making it because well, I would have to game up. No, 100%. I, t- I totally agree with you because it's like, yeah, if he's still in, you're still going to be charged up. I- I've seen it too many times like an athlete wins a meet and they might try another bar and it's just it's not the same energy level, you know? Right. Yeah. Well, and look, I think that that essentially is, I think, sometimes what makes it so hard for that next two inches, like we were talking about, whether, you know, it was going from 585 to 590 for the first time for yourself and then even making 95, is that when you're jumping at a meet and you kind of like already won it, yeah, you're trying that next bar, but it's it's not the same as if you're, you know what I mean, like fighting someone for it. You know, does that make sense? No. Yeah, no, you're 100% on the money. Um, When I made 90, and then, uh, and then he passed. I, I and he was still in the competition. I was like, right. I have to make this, or I'm, or I'm not gonna, not gonna do what I want to do. Came here to do so. Right. Um, I don't know. I think it would have been a lot harder to make 95 if he, didn't, if he missed out earlier. Yeah, 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 yeah. That is so crazy. Um, and so, you know, for those so those people that don't know, you know, you go to South Dakota and you're, you're coached by Derek Miles, which is amazing. Uh, you know, multiple-time Olympian and and awesome vaulter himself. What is it like to, to – I mean, you have to take uh, just great comfort in knowing that he's your coach. I mean, that must make things so much easier for you. Yeah, it does because I know that – not only 
is he like a fantastic host, but he was a, an amazing pole vaulter. He was on the circuit for so many years. He's, he's had success in, in the same sport that I'm trying to have success in. Right. So I know that when he says something, he's not, one, trying to screw me over, and two, he knows exactly what he's talking about because he's been in my shoes. Right. So, I don't know. Whenever he says something, it's almost like take it as gospel. <laughs> like, <laughs> right. He, no. He's not going to tell me something that's wrong, and he hasn't yet. Right, right. I mean, the, it, it's funny. I, I, man, I don't even remember how many years ago it was, but I remember watching a video. This was when he was like still jumping, but he, he was already coaching at South Dakota. And it was like him jumping at, at the indoor facility that you guys have. And just him talking about the vault. And you could tell he's like a lifelong learner. You know what I mean? Like he's always, he's trying to figure something else out. And I just, I, I just think that's like an amazing mindset to have as a coach. Cause I, I feel like sometimes you run across people that ha- think they have it all figured out like a hundred percent. Yeah, sorry. Um, no, no, no someone worries. Wanted, someone wanted a picture. Yeah, I no, no worries. One of those. Um, I think I know exactly what video you're talking about. It's, um, I think I've watched it a few times just mm-hmm. when I was coming in. I wanted to see what he was like. Right, right, right. Um, exactly like you said. You know, he's a tactician of the of the ball. Um, mm-hmm. He's very intelligent when it comes to it. He knows how specific you need to be with certain things to you know jump really high. So. Um, he's very he, he knows a lot about the event and shows and you know um, I don't think it's really going too far to say that he is the best pole vault coach in the country because he has not only the number one men's pole vault program he has number two women's right yeah no I mean what he's developed at South Dakota is, is really really special and I mean kind of you know sticking on this point it's like how how important was it to you when you chose South Dakota, and how important do you think it is for an athlete to have that coach-athlete relationship that you're kind of describing that you have with Derek Miles? Oh, it's super important. I think I think you can attest to this as well, being a coach mm-hmm. yourself. I think one yeah. of the biggest one of the biggest things that uh, priorities of being a coach is understanding the athlete. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he has a very great way of getting to connect with his athletes and. Um, the way he connects with me versus the way he connects with someone like one of my teammates, like Ethan Bray or Helen Falda, mm-hmm. um, the way he connects with them differently that he connects with me is just he can attune his own coaching to, the, to whatever his athlete really needs, and that's right. why our program is so successful because he can do that and he can he shows that he cares and you know if he needs to yell at us to hype us up, that's fine, he'll do it, and if he needs to you know stay calm to you know keep us calm right. in the competition, he'll do that. So, um, really great knowing that he knows how to connect with his athletes in such a way, and that's probably why. Um, all of us are doing great this year. Right. I mean, I, that you're bringing up some great points. I think as a coach, I think all too often people try to do everything cookie cutter. And the thing is you have to be able to adjust to the athlete because not every person is motivated the same way. Not every person learns the same way. And so you have to be able to adjust what you do to fit, fit the athlete. Um, it's, it's just, it's so important. And then that relationship that you develop with your athletes. I mean, like you said, like, you hear Derek say something, you're like, all right, that's it. I mean, if you question your coach, I mean, man, that's 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 tough. Like, how are you going to feel confident going down the runway then, you know? Right, exactly. No, you're right on the money. Um, to to kind of continue with that, I mean, what I find sometimes amazing is, like, I feel like a lot of times top vaulters are kind of without, like, coaches. I mean, how often do you find that to be the situation that you run into some, some really talented people that maybe aren't lucky enough to be with someone like Derek Miles? Uh, you know, I, I feel like sometimes it's almost like uh, it's not seen 
as valuable as it is because I think it's it's that's I think super important. I see some of the the top even professionals. It's like you know they're they're in a in a very good coaching uh, situation as well, and that's part of their success. I no, yeah, you're exactly right. I think I. Uh, not, I think it'd be easier, honestly, to count how many college Division One coaches are specifically pole vault right. now versus how many there are. And I can maybe count on two hands how many, like less than two, maybe one hand how many coaches are in the NCAA that are pole vault, so pole vault oriented. You know, Brad Walker, Toby Stevenson, Derek, um, a couple others here and there, but that, that's about as much as you get. Everybody else is kind of like, oh, yeah, it'll be pole vault, high jump, long jump, triple jump, all of a sudden, right. one, a couple of all the jumps. You never really find somebody who's just pole vault. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, it, it is something that that's special, and I feel like sometimes people don't realize how special it is. Um, I, I think all too often people just assume that if they end up going, let's say, D1 or even D2 or D3, it's like, oh, well, I'm going to college, they'll have a coach. And uh, I can't, I mean, being a club coach and I I deal with a lot of high school kids, I can't tell you how many of my kids end up going to colleges and they don't have a coach, you know, but they're told the best, the best line I always hear is like, oh, they're going to find a coach. I'm like, good luck. There's not that many mobile coaches out there, you know, even worse than that. Um, I can, I can attest to that personally, because when I went, uh, for my recruiting visits, one of them was the university of Kentucky. And at the time, Mm -hmm. Toby Stevenson was the coach. Not a year later, he leaves to Washington. Right. So yeah. I would have either had to pick up, pick up and uh, leave. I would have had to go across right. the country if I wanted him to still coach me. And that's not really something I would have wanted to do. Right. Um, you know, and he's doing really well. I'm, I'm really happy for him having so much success over in Washington now, especially yeah, with yeah. Groover breaking the NCAA record. But yeah, yeah. I think, uh, why? I, think yeah. I wanted I wanted a spot where the coach wasn't going to leave. So right. And I knew Derek wasn't going to. And that, that kind of attests to going to a smaller school. Who, they're not going to get rid of him. They're not going to get rid of Derek because they know right. how great of a pullback coach he is. Right, right, yeah. He he's more more of like a a part of the foundation of the school too, and and what the school is known for, you know. Um, so that that definitely definitely helps out so much. I know even in our local area, you know, there's certain colleges like uh like there's a D three Stockton College. They have the, uh, a pulpit coach Todd Curl, and he's been there forever. And it's like I love when my kids end up going to Stockton because Todd does such a good job, and he's gonna be there. I know he's not gonna leave, you know. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, you know, I, I don't know. I just, it's still just wild to me, like, uh, you know, thinking back to the meet yesterday and, and how it all unfolded. And it, it just, to me, it's like, I, I, I often think about this, and I, I would love to hear your opinion, is like almost the way uh, pole vault, and I get it, track has so many events, it's hard for them to market just pole vault but the way almost pole vault is marketed i almost feel like they they just kind of talk about the marks and i feel like we don't get to know all the characters that are going to be at the game you know what i mean and and who's gonna who's gonna be competing for that win and i feel like we get obsessed with just talking about marks but i love talking about the competition i think that's such a huge part I and mean, how do you what are you what are your thoughts on the way almost like pole vault is marketed and what would you like to see more of as far as maybe press or 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 how people are covering the event. Um, I think I think a lot of it is so relative to how the sport is doing in and of itself. You know, when mm-hmm. people that's the reason you know track athletes. When I say track, I mean like you know runners. They make right. so much more money on the pro circuit than pole yeah. vault shoes because there's a market for it. People don't think, oh, I need pole vault shoes because I'm going to go pole vault. They think, oh, I need running shoes because I'm going to go run. Right. So right. I, I think it'd be really cool to get more media on the pole vault. And yesterday I heard there was a lot of 
you know, funky stuff going on with the camera. Like, it was only on the, the bar for a little bit there. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But I think some of the things that are helping him out, and I think one of the big one of the biggest things I think that's helping pull that out right now is Mondo. Yeah. He's yeah. almost becoming the new Usain Bolt because a lot of people know who Mondo Duplantis is. It's, you know, this freshman, crazy, young kid phenom. Right. Who comes in and just starts kicking everybody's butt. Yeah. And the fact that he's bringing that much more attention to pole vault, and hopefully this NCAA championship is doing that more, will bring more light to the pole vault. And that's kind of what I'm hoping that not only I'm doing, but other people are doing as well. Yeah. Well, I, I think also what, what helps us now is social media. Because the yes. thing is, like, prior to social media, it's like, okay, if you didn't get on ESPN, that was it. You know, whereas now people are able to connect, and I don't know if you've seen uh, recently. Some people have even started like these pole vault meme pages. I mean, yeah, so, some of this stuff is funny. Some of it probably hits hard. Uh, you know, I think but, a lot of them need to cool it. <laughs> but 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 the thing is, like, at least with the social media aspect of it, like now people can actually put information out there. You know, like like even you doing this podcast, I think this is like super cool. You know what I mean? Like, because now people are going to be able to hear about what it was like for you to jump yesterday today and talk about your opinion on some of this stuff i i think that that kind of helps a lot too because I, I i even think back to like when becca gillespie started pole vault power that was such yeah. a huge thing because that was a that was a good way to go and find out pole vault information prior to even like some of the social media outlets that are around now but now it's like the possibilities are out there people can put stuff out and and kind of connect and and learn more you know um because it used to be i feel like it used to be so difficult to find information you you know, um, you know, prior. Um, but th- this is great because even I'm sure, I, look, I, I, you know, what is it like for you as far as your social media? I mean, like it must allow you to connect with so many people that otherwise you probably would have never been able to communicate with. I think social media is a big part of it. Um, I think that, you know, like you said, there's good and there's bad. Yeah. You know, the meme pages, they're funny. Um, I, I appreciate them. And, um, mm. The memes they make about me, I love it. Uh, even <laughs> if it's like a, a, a roast, I still, I'm like, okay, that's funny. But yeah. um, I think a lot of people take social media as a good way to contact people. I think that's what it should be. You know, a lot of people I've met over at international competitions, um, like World Juniors a couple of years ago or World Champs last year, I, I get to still connect with and talk with every once in a while. I think that's really cool. Right. Um, and like you said, uh, Becca starting up Pole Vault Power, that's huge. Whenever I want to watch a meet, but I don't have, you know, the subscription to, like, say, like, NBC Gold or something like that, or right. ESPN3, I'll go to her, and she'll right. have all the results for me. She'll just tweet them, like, right then and there. Right. So, I think that's been huge for the sport, and like you said, I think it just helps us be able to connect with people and kind of bring more light to the sport. Yeah. I mean, an so, an idea that, you know, I even get all the time and I th- I think about is I almost feel like you know what people could do that I think would help also is like almost grow their local markets. You know what I mean? Like I feel yeah, like if like people had more local meets, you could have local fans come to it and kind of create a buzz and you know, cuz even the, like last year I I held a meet that was, you know, just at my club, but we had like 100 competitors, we had like 130 spectators and I was able to give out prize money because of the spectators, you know. I just charged 10 bucks, you know, and it's like, I feel like that's stuff that through social media, we can start to connect to one another and then grow our little local markets. And then it could lead to something even bigger, you know, which I think that was always something that was difficult in the past. Like it was like, you almost had to grow something that was too big right away. You'd have to put too much money into it where we can almost start a little bit smaller now, you know, because of social media. I think you're absolutely right. Doing, like you said, like doing those little, like local small things that they help out so much, mm-hmm. bringing like these small, 
these smaller clubs that end up get progressively getting bigger because, you know, kids are so adept with social media nowadays that they right. end up finding it through social media. So say a kid is near you and they see, oh, Apex Vaulting, you know, right. I can probably check that out because it's only, you know, 15 minutes from my house. And then they start, who knows, it could be right. a very cool one day. Right, right. Yeah, and look, I mean, we just, we need more people involved in our event too. You know what I mean? Like the higher the numbers are, then the more fans there are, and then the more possibilities for everything, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah, um, I, I I guess going back to the meet, right? Um, we kind this tends to happen in the podcast. We go all over the place, but go, going back to the meet, um, maybe can you like explain to people who maybe don't know or understand what is it like jumping at Texas? Like why that place is like magic? I don't understand. Like you know, what, what is it about the place? I think it's just gone. It's just, I think it's honestly the same thing as Hayward, you know? Um, okay. You get, it's such a, like, oh, like people go there and they're like, oh, it's Texas Relays. There's this big, you know, like uh, popularity surrounding it. And they think, oh, I'm going to go to a big meet. I need to produce a big mark so I can kind of live up mm-hmm. to the expectations. Okay. And with that, I think Texas is also, like, it's just always been a good place to fall because of, you know, Texas Tailwind and just like yeah, the reputation yeah. that it's had in the past. Um, and then, um, Hayward Field might, I think, be a bigger, um, bigger stadium, like for mm-hmm. spectators wise. I mean, but right. the, the amount of people I saw on the sands just watching the pole vault after the bar went to five seventy because they everybody started hear, hearing the commotion. They're like, "Oh, we yeah, got seven yeah. guys over five seventy. The whole freaking place got stacked. Yeah. So, um, I- I, I think that's an important uh, thing that you bring up. Like, I know everybody loves to talk about the tailwind, and, and you could talk more about that and tell me if it's that big of a factor, but I feel like the energy is important. You know, it's like when you know there's that many people watching, like, you, it, like do you feel it? Like, do you, do you feel the audience? Oh, yeah, of course, uh, especially when I'm asking for a clap. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. I think I asked for a clap at 595, and... Um, it was so loud and so resounding. Like I heard a resounding, like boom, like an echo, and I was like, "Oh man, I'm gonna go!" Right, like, it hyped me up. Yeah. So, um, the energy is definitely important. The energy here is very similar, if not better, to um, Eugene. Yeah. And I, I think going back on the tailwind thing, you know, wins are here or there, and they, yeah, obviously they help. You know, they they both build confidence and they help you get down the runway just a little bit faster, even if it's just a minuscule amount. But I think that. Uh, yesterday the winds were like not like it wasn't Texas Relays tailwind that mm-hmm. that it usually is. It was maybe like four or five miles per hour, and it was kind yeah. of switchy. But um, yeah. you know, you take your chances when you get them, and uh, if you time it up right, then yeah, you can get a little bit of extra help on whatever big pole you're trying to get on, and uh, it did. Yeah. Well, so I mean, yeah, pole wise, I mean, did you end up getting on on the biggest poles you've ever been on, like or I did. yeah? Yeah, I got on the biggest pole I've ever been on. It wow. was a five twenty twelve zero. Okay. Flex, and I think I want to say that's like a two, two, uh, like a twenty two twenty seven or two thirty wow. somewhere on there. If you're looking for weight, and I was gripping yeah, around yeah. sixteen eleven. Wow! Wow! That's that's huge, man. That's huge. And and like I saw you had a post. I guess like you you one of your poles had gotten damaged, like from hitting a standard or something like that. And you you said something like Essex got you a new pole like right away, huh? Yeah, it was, um, so in practice, I kind of just did this little funky thing where the pole got away from me, mm-hmm. and it went to the side, and it hit the sand, and my coach and I were looking at it, and we saw this little white circle yeah. where, right where it got hit, and we were like, ah, that's not safe, so we ended up having to text um, the Essex boys, and we were like, hey, 
We have regionals coming up in literally three days. We need this poll because I could probably need this poll if right. you know, the bar ends up going at anything higher than like 530 or 540. Right. And, and we got it in Omaha on the way to Sacramento. So, And that was not even two days later. So wow. the, the priority they put on their athletes and the amount of... Uh, um, I think the amount of care that they put into their pools and into their factory, and I don't know, it's it's amazing. I was yeah. actually I wasn't surprised, but I was like, that was really fast considering yeah. some, some of my poles are um, have a little bit of a different make on them than most of the stock poles. Yeah, you you mean like that's not like a regular high school pole? Like that's not that they don't have that in stock. <laughs> Well, you, probably, you could probably ask for it and they, they give it to you. But no, no, I know. I'm just messing around. It's not like ordering yeah. a 14150 for high school boy, you know? Oh, yeah. Um, but, yeah, no, I mean, that, that that's awesome. And, and that that's kind of like the stories, too, that I feel like people need to hear about Povol, where it's like, you know, that kind of stuff getting done for vaulters is super critical and super important, you know? Um, you yeah. Know, if you don't have your equipment, you're going to be stuck. Like, you, you, you need your line of poles, you know? Um, and I think that's such a big problem if you go to a meet and for mm-hmm. whatever reason um, you know some guys go to their meet and their poles are completely broken the airlines decided to break them for some right. reason and they got to borrow it's like it's like wearing someone else's shoes you yeah. know what I mean no, I mean, look, it, it really throws things off. I mean, uh, so I, I coach at a Division three, and the one year, um, one of my girls, she, she was like a 13-9 girl. She ended up winning nationals that year. But, like, another team, MIT, all their poles were broken. And, you know, they had to use ours, but the girl had a rough day because she just wasn't comfortable, you know, on those poles, you know. So well, it's, yeah, it's it tough. makes it even worse if you're having to switch brands, you know. I don't think – I don't mm-hmm. – I think I'd be okay if I could. I would still run down and hit it as hard as I possibly could. But say if I had to switch from a 520 Essex to a 520 Spirit, I think that'd be a little be a little daunting. Right. Yeah. I mean, especially especially at that point and at the level that you're on, you know, it's like you you need to know that it's the same thing, you know. And right. and like I always talk about that on the podcast for for people that listen. It's like that's the toughest thing. Is like you want to have the same brand. You don't want to be like I, I I all too often I'll see like a lot of high school pro- programs where it's like a kid's like jumping like on a UCS, then they go to a Sky Pole, then they go to an Essex, then they go to like something, else, and it's like whoa, like. This is not a smooth transition, you know. It's like you really got to have one brand, one series, you know. Absolutely, I 100% agree with that. I don't, I don't really think that's one safe or two really efficient for your jump. Yeah. Uh, I think you know, a pole's a pole, and you know, the vaulter does the work, and you know, there's some holes that maybe fit other vaulters better than others. But I think that uh, if you're going to remain on one one pole, then you should do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that, well, that, that's awesome. How, how many, so like when, like you went to nationals, how many poles did you bring with you? Seven, including a, a 10 step pole. Okay. All right. Yeah, that, that makes sense. Yeah. Because I'm, I'm amazed sometimes, you know, how few poles sometimes some people bring. Like I, I've seen people go with a lot less than seven. I feel like seven is kind of like that's a good number. You know what I mean? Like you have some poles to choose from depending on the day. And like you said, you have a, you have a short short approach pole for something for warm-ups or something, you know. Yeah. Um, we have, so we, we have that short approach pole and then we um, – Derek and I kind of have, we have this idea that we want to be 100% confident that no matter the condition, headwind, rain, snow, we want to run down the first time down the runway, and I'm, I know I'm not going to get stood up because the hole is so is easy, is easy enough to where I can I can either go off the back of the pit or I can land perfectly fine, but I'm not going to get stood up or have any right. issues with it. 
Yeah, I see. Like, I, I what I feel like sometimes happens in warm ups. You know, and you give me uh, your opinion. I'm on just this. on the phone. Is that okay? Alright. No, no worries. Um, like, I feel like sometimes you, you go to meets and I'll watch people like warm an athlete up and they almost like they're trying to get them on a pole where like they literally get stood up and then I, and then they back off. And what I kind of feel like is sometimes now that creates an issue because now that athlete already felt that they got stood up on that one pole. They start on something smaller, but once they blow through and they have to go to that bigger pole, well, now they're thinking, oh, wait, I got stood up in, in warm-ups. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I think, like, what you're kind of describing is, like, I, I want the same thing. I want my kids to come down first first warm-up jump and just, like, you know, know that they can just smash this pole, you know? Yeah, we want to have an easy transition into everything. And then, um, like you said, if you get stood up in warm-ups, then your confidence level might be slightly damaged when you try to go up into a competition on that same pole. Right, right, exactly. Yeah, that that's huge. Um, but... I'm guessing you're at the stadium or something right now? I am, yeah. They kept telling me to like move away from the fence even though there's yeah, yeah, yeah. that area, but that's well- fine. Well, well, look, I'll, I'll let you go because you, you sound busy. I'm so grateful that, that you did this, and we can definitely do a, another podcast down the road and we can talk about anything Absolutely. else. Absolutely. I'd love to. Yeah, but, again, congrats on winning. What an amazing day. Um, you know, I, I'm i sure, uh, you know, you maybe even feel like it's still a dream, but you're going to wake up tomorrow. You're still going to be the champ. Um, and thank you for doing the podcast again. Is there is there anything else that you wanted to say, maybe tell people what your Instagram is or anything to tell them to follow you? Yeah, um, what is my name? Like Nilsson Ball, so my okay. last name, and then this Vault, and then uh, Chris Nilsson on Facebook, and then all that kind of stuff. And uh, I don't know. I think just uh, that's it. <laughs> yeah. Well, hey, again, congrats. Uh, thank you again for doing the podcast. What what a what a great episode! And for everybody listening, uh, you know, thanks for listening to the Apex Vaulting podcast. Um, and you can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, all that good stuff. Um, thanks for listening.